Welcome to our leadership podcast at wilsonlyling.com. Today, we're very privileged to have Pastor Gordon Moore. Pastor Gordon is the founding pastor and he was the senior pastor of C3 Bridgman Downs, a mega church on the north part of Brisbane. And he's successfully handed it over to his successor, which is just incredible. And I, I believe you were also, for 10 years, you were the, uh, in charge of the C3 Australia. Yes, that's And right. then after that, you went on to get involved in C3 Global. Yes, I did yes. another 10 years with that. Yes, yeah. and I, I've always been wondering what will happen in the next decade. <laughs> uh, a promotion to even higher than Global. That's right. <laughs> well, it's just wonderful to have him here with his wealth of experience in leadership. And I'm sure he has many insights into leadership. So it, it's really wonderful. Could you tell us a little bit about your leadership journey I mean, where, how you started off, what, what, what you got involved in, and, and how it has been. Yeah, sure, Wilson. Well, I think the thing that amazes people when they see me at the end of my ministry life before mm. I retired, they, people see me as this outstanding leader, and you know, I'm leading the movement, my church, and, and all, and they go, you're, you're a phenomenal leader. Yeah. But if you'd seen me at 16, 17 when I first got saved, mm-hmm. I, I actually was never a leader. Yeah. I, was, I was never the captain of a sports team. I was never a prefect at school. I, um, uh, nothing. Right. And then I got saved, mm. came to the Lord when I was 16. Yes. I had a speech impediment. And um, you wouldn't have picked me. Mm. Um, but obviously the leaders of my church, the pastor of my church, saw potential in me and gave me opportunity and I grew. Yeah. And then I started to grow in my leadership and learn about leading. And you mentioned to me that you, 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 you were in New Zealand. Yes. And uh, you came in <clears throat> amongst those uh, charismatic, uh, I guess, renewal churches. Yes. Stuff, and things are always much more spontaneous. And, but, yes. but something clicked in you, right, about leading and managing uh, along the way. Yes, I, th- I think um, that's true. I was brought up in the charismatic movement, mm. which was ministry orientated. Yeah. So everyone was prophesying, speaking in tongues, getting mm. words of knowledge, healing people. Every- it was great. And, and that's awesome, right? Because you yes. want the body mobilized. But what I started to understand was there didn't seem to be coherence. There didn't seem, it wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. And I think that was my journey, more than I want to be a leader. Mm-hmm. I think I started to see, what if this could be coordinated? Right. What if this could be managed in a way that, that would serve the church's vision and serve the Lord in actually achieving something? Now, that was a great idea, mm-hmm. which I didn't have a clue about. Yeah. But I think as I began pastoring, and then when I finally moved to Australia, mm-hmm. And I got a chance then to pioneer from scratch. Then I had the opportunity to create, if you like, a leadership culture church. And that's, right. I think that's where I went. I wouldn't have called it that then. Yes. But I knew it was difficult back in my home church to recreate. I was only one of the young dudes, you know, and to yes. recreate the whole thing. Yes. And it wasn't my place anyway. But I think once I got in my own church here, I thought to myself, now I'm not going to do certain things. There's certain things I'm going to do. And I began to read about leadership and mm. think about it and pray about it. And, yeah. and, that, and that's my journey. And I, I think I ended, ended up 
um, a pretty proficient leader. Yes. Um, but to say that's how I started, not at all. And I think that gives pastors and leaders a great hope because leadership can be learned. Yes. It's also a grace. I get that. It's a mm. gift. It's a grace. And because you, you, I remember some years back, you mentioned to me that you never felt or you, uh, that you were a natural-born leader. No, that's right. Yeah. But it was something you developed along yes. the way. And you know what I've actually discovered mm. in life and in the church? I think strong natural leaders can get in the way, mm. can be more of a hindrance because right. they're strong and they want to get things done. Whereas what the Bible teaches and what experience teaches is that real leadership is empowering, not powerful. Yes. And once I got that concept, I, I can do that, you know, because I just don't, I don't see myself as the kind of person that wants to boss people around and be the big shot and lead people and you go there and you go there, you know what I mean? Mm. So what, I guess that, that really helped me, that language, to be an empowering, now I, oh man, I get excited about that, help other people fulfill their dream. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's where I came to with it. Yeah. What would you say would be some of the things that really help you develop? You, you mentioned about reading about leadership. Was there any other things that helped you develop as a leader? Did, did you have a mentor or, or something? Um, yes, I think the great privilege of being in the C3 movement was awesome mm -hmm. because I was involved in a pretty much at the top level of the leadership of that movement with Pastor Phil Pringle and others. It was like a peer learning. Right. So we were just a group of young guys trying to work it out. So there was an inquiring mind and we read, but we could also talk about what we were finding as church practitioners, what worked and didn't work. And we kind of developed, I think it'd be fair to say, um, a lot of our understanding on leadership that now is taken for granted now, not just in C3, but it's probably influenced yeah. a lot of others. So that was exciting. Mm. Um, Despite the fact of what I said before, it was mainly ministry-led in our church in New Zealand. The three senior pastors, we didn't call them that then, they were elders, but looking back, that's what they were. I had three different but outstanding leaders. Right. And I think to see them model it, um, was it perfect? No. Um, did they have it all together? No. <laughs> um, but I think gave me a good foundation, so there was that. Um, and then what I tried to do is I tried to expose myself to bigger leaders than me. Mm -hmm. yep. So I'd have cups of coffee, I'd, I'd go and visit churches and just ask if I could sit there and have a coffee with the lead after and I'd ask him questions, so I'd say. And, and this is within C3 or outside? No, no, everywhere, outside oh, wow. C3, everywhere, wow. yeah, yeah. Wonderful, gracious um, At that time, there weren't a lot of big churches in C3 when I first started right. doing this, you know, and mm -hmm. I had about two, three hundred people in my church and I just knew that the way I was doing things, it wasn't going to cope with growth. Mm. Mm. So I had to get bigger in my thinking, so I thought, right, let's do this. Let's go and find some guys that have got a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, right. and oh, if some of them. You sit with them; it just shocked you, because you just knew that they were on a different planet than you, <laughs> right? 
But on the other hand, not one of them refused me. Wow. They all said, come on down, man. come and preach for me, you know. And, and then I end up preaching in these larger churches, which in itself was a great help. And then to listen to them talk about how they lead mm-hmm. and to glean, that was, that was great, you know. Mm. Um, so you read books, read books. you exposed yourself, you uh, talked to people who were yep. obviously more advanced in their leadership journey and experience. Yes. Yep. Uh, and anything else? Yeah, and of course, a lot of your, I can see that you were analyzing, you were thinking it yes, through. Yes, yeah, I thought, yeah. if I haven't got a gift of leadership, many people have said this about me that know me, probably on one of my strengths is strategic thinking. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, I have the ability to intuitively work out pretty quickly if that's not going to work. I don't know what that is, but I can just, um, you know, people come to me with an idea and I go, no, that ain't going to work, mate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they'll say to me, well, why? And I say, well, um, then I, as I talk, I'm able to tell them why. But yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that as well, I, had a, I was able to analyse a bit or strategically think things through. And then undergirthing all of that, there's no doubt about it. I think I found God in it too. Mm-hmm. I realised that for me to be the leader God wanted me to be, I had to have a gift of leadership. So yes. I, I guess I prayed, I sought God for it mm. and asked God to show me. There was a grace that was upon you. And I, th- I think it, it is yeah. a grace, Romans 12, right? Yes. Let, let not anyone think of himself my, more highly than he ought to think, but according to the grace mm. that God has so said, there's a grace and then he says, therefore, whether it's prophesying, et cetera, et cetera, exercise the faith. So there's the grace and the faith working together. Yeah. And I think you've, we've got to find grace to do what we do. Yeah. Um, and I think I found that. Yeah, it's, you know, and then I had a lot of encouragers along the way. I think people encouraged me. Uh, people in my own church mm. had a great wife. Yes. Our wives are very, important. very important, and my wife is just a hero, you know. And she, she would encourage me. She'd say, "Honey, that was awesome how you led that the way. Where did that come from, you know?" <laughs> and would encourage me, you know. And, mm-hmm. and so we've worked together as a couple in the ministry, you know, now for, for nearly fifty years. You know, we've wow. been married fifty, so it'd be forty-eight years. We've got our fiftieth anniversary coming wow. up. That's and we we went full time. Well, I went full time then. You call it that when I was uh, uh, two years after I taught for a couple of years. So you know, it's nearly forty eight years together, and we've done everything. You know, like together, um, and which is an amazing testimony in itself. Yeah, no, it's been great. You yeah. know. Well, uh, having had your experience and so forth, what what would you say to younger leaders? How can they get themselves onto this sort of journey themselves to develop? Uh, what sort of mindsets should they have? Mindsets are important, aren't they? Also? Yes. Very important. Um, I think number one is teachable. Mm-hmm. It, if we think we're there yeah. and we don't need to learn, then I, th- I, th- I think you've, you've taken yourself out of the game mm. right there. Yeah. I, ju- I just think you've got to keep learning uh, and, and that's because you're humble. You realise you haven't got it all together. Yes. And the other thing, because you're humble now and you're eager to learn, I think the second thing is create a questioning mind. Mm. Question everything as a leader, everything. 
And I think that is probably one of the most important things. So to sit there, uh, when you're hearing something, seeing something, or you're trying to discover something, keep asking the question, even if it's inconvenient, even if other people don't like the question. I've learned you've got to keep asking questions. Mm. I, I think another thing is face the brutal facts. You've got to be a lover of the facts, I, I think. And, I, and this goes against what we believe as Pentecostals, you know, but having a spirit of faith and I'm into it, you, you know, and your vision and we're going to do this. <laughs> but the other side is, is that the reality right now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and some pastors and leaders just don't want to face that because it's just too real. Mm. But OK, you've got the faith. Yes. Where's your reality? Yeah. And then you say, well, we're going to build from here. Bridget. Rather, we're going to do this. And I was, I've come to this conclusion, a vision must be just out of reach, not out of sight. <laughs> yeah. And if it's out of sight, even God can't believe it. Because <laughs> it's just too big, it's just too great, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you can have a vision, you, 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 you need God, you're just reaching out, that keeps you honest. And other people can see, yeah, you know, we're getting there, we're getting there. But if you tell the average person, you we're going to do this, they go, Really? How's that going to... It's just too unbelievable. Yes. Now, you might have a vision like that in your heart, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be expressing that. I'd be keeping that here Preferably, and maybe yeah. sharing, uh, bringing vision down. I call that face the brutal facts. Yeah. So build from where you are, have faith for the future, and then, then build, you know. Okay. And I think that's a big secret, you know. So you talk about teachability, yes. humility, uh, having a vision that's just just a bit beyond um, anything else for this. Well, I think with vision, being able to articulate your vision mm. is just so important. Yeah. Um, I hesitate to use the word because it can be misinterpreted wrongly. But I think if you're going to be a senior leader or a leader of anything like youth or men's or a church, Mm. whatever, you actually need to be able to sell your vision. In other words, you need to be able to present it in a way. It's compelling. Yeah, yeah. and and people, wow. So you're big on the benefits and where it's going and why you're doing it. Mm. And that takes a bit of time. That took me a bit of time to get that. Yes. But that's a big thing. Mm, that's wonderful. So we, we talk about some of this. Is there anything else in terms of mindset uh, for younger leaders that seeking? You know, maybe to, to me, I think one, one of the things that helped me is just that eagerness, that uh, drive to say, I want to improve. I, I, I want to get better at this kind of thing. That, that helped me a lot Yeah, yeah. in, in yeah. my learning and my growing. Yeah, and have that motivation, be a self-starter. Mm. And um, I think every leader has to be self-starting. Mm-hmm. They have to be self-analyzing. Yeah. So, you know, Paul said, if we don't judge ourselves, someone else will, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. So I think as a leader, you shouldn't, have to, you shouldn't have to have your wife or other leaders say, you preach too long. It's, it's, it's called a clock or a watch. Yes. It's, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So I hear preachers and leaders, they're doing things and there's cringe factor in their church, yes. but they're not getting it. Well, I think good leaders, you have to create that ability to go, that didn't sound right. Why are these people cringing? Yeah, and, and you're you can, reading. You can see, see your congregation, yeah. you can yeah. see them get losing interest or, yeah. or starting to. Whatever, yeah, and yeah, you're listening you and you've got a vibe. Eh? 
And I think that can be because as a leader, we've got to be careful we don't become narcissistic. So it's about my message and what mm. God told me rather mm. than us. Yes. I think that's a big thing. And then once you're self-analyzing, you've got to be self-correcting. Yeah. Find out how to make the corrections. Mm. Mm. Uh, because this is what I found. If we don't, life will. And it's brutal. Yes. And if we just keep doing the same old thing and we're not changing, sooner or later life's going to just come yeah. and make the correction. Yes. And I think, I think that's, a, that's a big thing. And then out of that you become self-maintaining. Mm. In other words, a leader has learned secrets because we're talking, aren't we, about how, to, how you do your leadership journey. I mean, I just turned 70 the other week and I'm still serving God and I reckon I've got a reasonably sweet spirit. You do, um, you do. Um, because you've got to be self-maintaining. I don't need my wife or a pastor or a doctor or someone to say, you're going to burn out. It's like, can't you read your own life, your own body? Mm, you mm. know, maybe, mm. you know, that's that what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I think good leaders, great leaders that survive, get those things in their life. And, yeah. and then you do the journey and we realise it's not a sprint. Yes. We're not, it's not, not, God's not in a hurry, but he's always on time. Amen, amen. <laughs> yeah. And I think in some ways you've, you've started to talk about another question I wanted to ask, sure. which is what are some of the pitfalls we need to be uh, careful about? And, and you kind of talk about that in some sense. You touch upon it, the danger when we're not self-aware yes. and, and we start doing things that, that starts hurting others or ourselves or, or impoverish something. Uh, are there any other keys for some of these younger leaders they are seeking to develop? I think a pitfall of quite a few leaders, and I've been guilty of it myself in the past, is not being prepared. In, in what way? Not being prepared. Yes. So, so I'm going to talk about the size of our church. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's just say we've got a membership role of 500 people. Right. But one of my key guys down here, he knows there's actually only 375. Right. Because he's doing the numbers. Right. Okay. So then someone asked me, oh, how big is your church? And I said, oh, it's over 500. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's going to be sitting there going, he's exaggerating, you know? Right. That can undo your leadership. Okay. So before I get up and quote figures like size of church, how many people get saved, average age of the church, I get it all down in writing. And I never used to do it. Yeah. You know, when you're younger, you can tend to think you know the number. But if you're, there's an old saying, eh? Always speak the truth and you'll never have to remember what you said. Yeah. Because it's there. It's simple, right? Mm, mm. Um, and th that's just one instant. But uh, like preaching, if you quote a Greek word, yes. have it written in your notes with the number. Right. Right? So later, if someone comes up and says, oh, I haven't heard that before, what Greek word's that? <laughs> and you go, oh, um, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, I can say, oh, here it is, here's my notes. Oh, it's Greek 554, and it means this. So you're prepared. Yeah. And I just found over the years, you, as you get better at that, you're more competent then, because when you get up, you know your subject, yes. you know your numbers, and you're confident. And, and nowadays, I've, I've discovered this, I may quote a story, quote a fact, and my congregation are literally checking it up yeah. on Google, right? Well, that, that's I'm what like, happens. Whoa, you know. And yeah. so, you know, that can be a bad thing. They shouldn't be doing that while you're preaching. <laughs> but, but, but the good side of that is it does tend to keep you honest, you yes. know? And I, th I think 
And that, that would be a big one for me, I think. Being prepared, put, put thinking into what you're going to do. Because I think if, if we get enamoured with our gift, that I'm a great upfront person, great speaker, mm. that can be Achilles' heel because that doesn't mean you're prepared. Yeah. It just means you can talk. <laughs> but if you get both, yes. so you can get up and you can present the vision, but your numbers are correct and people are checking, you know, and then it only takes that guy that I mentioned before to say something to his friend. Yeah. You've undercut your leadership because yeah. you haven't been accurate. Mm. I, think, I think that's a big thing. Okay. And I think another thing, this is going to undo what I've just said a bit, is I think if, if I spoke to myself as a younger guy from where I am now, mm-hmm. I'd probably say take more risks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there could have probably been some other things I probably could have done that I, was, I got nervous about or I thought, oh, will it happen, will it happen. Now I'd probably go, why not? And you know, in, in some ways, I'm the same. Yes. I, I was on that journey. When I was younger, I was a lot more cautious, conservative, uh, but I've learned to have take more risk, bigger risk. Yes. And I, I yeah. think it's very much a faith journey with God. Oh, I think I've that's learned, huge. You know, I've learned to hear from God and say, yeah, I know God spoke. Yes. I, I, I don't know how that's exactly going to happen, but I'm willing to take that step of faith. Yes. So I'm more so like this now. Yeah, and there's that thing too, you know, as a young pastor, you want to do the right thing, Mm. Mm. You know, and yeah. that can sometimes stop you from taking the risks. Yes, um, I, I think that'd be one one thing, advice or pitfall. But then it's that thing I said before. You know, it's out just out of reach, not out of sight. That's right. Yeah, um, I remember when God told me my church was too small, because from where I came from, I had a vision. I thought if I could build a church with five hundred people. And we could have three or four satellites, or I call them satellites there, or plants. Yes. That'd be pretty awesome. Yes. And I remember one day I was praying, getting ready for Vision Day, and I was going to share this. And I really felt the Lord speak to me and say, your vision's too small. I'm going to do far bigger than this. Are you ready to come with me? It's like, <laughs> I was shocked because I thought that was big. I thought that was awesome, you know, because yeah. that was my experience. Um, so I said, well, what do you want me to say? Mm. And it was almost like the Lord said, I, I'm going to give you thousands. Wow. I thought, oh, man, I'm going to say this. How am I going to do this, you know? Because mm. like you, I've been pretty conservative, you know? Yes. And, um, and it was almost like the Lord stopped talking. And it was almost like, well, write it down. So I remember, you know, you crush out your note. And then I got up to the church and then faith kicked in like you were talking about. Yeah. And I didn't put a number on it like tens of thousands. I just said, I believe this church has the possibility mm. to not just be in hundreds, but in thousands. And I thought, it's out there now, man. <laughs> the church cheered. It, oh, we're going to win people. We're going to take people, you know, territory, you know. Wonderful. It wasn't within five years we had a thousand people. Mm. We moved to our existing property for yes. stage one. Yes. And we moved here with about 500. Right. And um, it would have taken, I think it was about five years. And then the thing started to grow. And we were, we were close to a thousand. We started to say, well, we're going to go to a thousand, you know. That's and then it capped there. Yeah. And then the Lord spoke to me again and said, I said thousands. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, man. You know, here we go. 
No, I think that goes back to the original thing I said to you before, Wilson, finding God in it too. It's not just a business That's right. plan. Yes. It's not just being strategic, but hearing what God is telling you for you in that church. I think mm. that's mm. very important. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you, Gordon, for all that. Oh, and there is, you have written some books or some book about leadership. Would you like to tell us a little yeah, bit about Yeah, it's called that? Take Someone With You. I, I think it's, I've just Yeah, so I think you've got a copy here. of it there, haven't you? At the front there, yeah. So this one here, Take Someone With You. Um, I always write books for a, I'm thinking, in terms of who, who, who I want to read it mm. or who will read it. So this book, it's not really written for leaders per se yeah. in the classical sense. So it's not Leadership 101 or how to be a great leader. It's take someone with you. Yeah. So the language through the whole book, even though it relates to leaders and leadership, the whole idea of the book is that if everyone in the church were to influence someone yes. where they are, we would create a culture of leadership. I talk about it, how to lead and, and how to, the difference between ministry and leadership and leading people f where you're at. So that's a, that, there's great. a lot of- It's uh, a great book. And I think you've got a few others. Why don't yeah, you that, well, this one's, this one's the, um, my prayer book. So that book is about how to pray through the scriptures. Right. So rather than just praying for needs, I call that pray needing we pray with the Bible, in other words, pray reading. And I think that's an art that's a bit lost today. I think it is. Mm. And that's why I was really burdened about it. And I thought, how can I present this? So I went, well, why don't you sh write a book showing people how to do it? How do you pray? Mm. So what I did was I took the, which the Psalms I love, the 15 Psalms of Ascent. Yep. And I did it, basically it's a devotional out of my own life on each Psalm. Mm. And I go into scriptures a bit more than that, but it's it's sort of how to dig out a psalm. Yeah. And and what I what I'm suggesting to people, they get it, and their first day they pray, they take the first psalm and read it and have this book open and look at some of the things and go, You got that out of there and say, well, What are you saying to me out of the Bible? And read the Bible. And I'm a I might be old school, Wilson, but I think to pray read, you shouldn't be reading it on an iPhone or an iPad. I think you need an open Bible with a pen and another book beside a notebook. And when God speaks, write it down. Yep. Transfer it by all means. I mean, yep. I love the iPad, I preach for them, you know. Yep. But I think what I'm talking about here is a devotional prayer life. Mm. And I just can't see how you can be a successful leader without that. Amen. And so that one's about prayer. And um, this one here, is a God of miracles. So it's looking at the whole aspect of the miraculous, why God heals, why he doesn't, does he? Does he? Does everyone get healed? Yes. So there's a chapter on that, believing in the weight. And I just think I've got, I've tried to capture some common sense in it yep. from personal experience. Mm -hmm. So I've seen people healed of cancer personally, yep. like miraculous. But I buried my own father. He died of cancer. My own father died of cancer. I prayed for him. Mm, mm, so yes. what's that? Yes. You know, and I've heard all the arguments. You know, you didn't have enough faith. Um, you're under a curse. You know, and all that. It's like yes. get rid of all that thinking because it, it, it gets you guilty, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then faith's not there. Yeah. So I want to write on it. 
Wonderful. So it's not all about that, but there's stuff in there about faith. So the miracles yes. and this other one here, tell your story. Mm. Again, it's written for the average Christian on how you can tell your testimony, your personal story to people. Yeah. And it's got really good keys in it, how to do it. And it talks about leading someone to Christ, how to lead someone to Christ, oh. how to pray. It's, um, I've got a chapter there, evangelism in your church. So that if all the individuals are telling their story, the church has to prepare, can I call it the framework for that to be channeled into. And then I've got stuff in there even on follow-up, how to follow up with new believers. Wow. There's a lot in it. That's possible. Little wee book, you know. Get one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Soul winning. <laughs> Thank you so much, Gordon, for your time. This no. is really awesome. It's great. We've all learned so much from you. Thank you, you Wilson. You're welcome. Yeah. We trust you've been blessed by the word today. Do visit www.wilsonlyling.com for more messages and teachings. For the latest news and updates, follow Facebook and Instagram, wilson.lyling.